So if you weren't here last week, uh, we started a new series from the Bible on the book of 1 Corinthians called 1 Corinthians, the stuff I was too scared to preach before. So normally when I preach a book of the Bible, I like to just start at the beginning. We work our way through. If we run out of time, we come back to it some years later, just pick up right where we left off. So when you first called me to be one of your pastors in 2007, one of our first series was on 1 Corinthians. So now, 12 years later, um, I went to pick back up where we left off, and I found that there were all sorts of holes in what we had covered before because I skipped around. And I skipped around because I was afraid of some of the passages. Uh, Some of them I thought, well, that one might be too dull. And others I thought, that one is really hard to understand. And, And ones like today, I thought, this would be super offensive. Um, because basically this passage says that no one can know God unless you receive the Holy Spirit. And in church, we have the Holy Spirit, so we know God. And other people don't have the Holy Spirit, so they think we're fools, but we can't be criticized by them because we got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? And they don't. Um, listen to the last half of chapter two and, and see if you don't kind of get that little weird feeling. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means those who are spiritual can evaluate all things but they themselves cannot be evaluated for other by others for who can know the lord's thoughts who knows enough to teach him but we understand these things for we have the mind of christ doesn't that sound just a little arrogant in this day and age like the church, we feel like we're a little superior or a little better than everybody or extra chosen or, or something. So when I came upon this, I skipped it and we went on to chapter three and others and they were hard, but, but not this hard. Now, I know that's wrong, you know, like it's not up to a minister to decide which parts of the word of God are dull and which parts are hard and which parts are offensive and skip them and not teach them. I, I, I get that that's wrong, but, but I'd been working as a pastor for like five minutes and I was scared, okay? So, you know, just, you know take it easy on I me. Mean, I was afraid. Um, so now 12 years later, I go back and I'm looking at these passages and I'm like, okay, it's time to put on the, the big pants and, and do it right. So I'm reading chapter two and I'm thinking, why was this hard again? Why was this hard again? What about this was hard to hear? Was it, was it verse 11? No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. I mean, isn't that just true? I mean, who knows you better than you? I mean, if I wanted to get to know you, I could read letters that you had written. And I could hang out with people who had hung out with you. And I would learn some stuff. But wouldn't that kind of be a reflection of you? Almost a dim picture of you compared to if I just got to know you? And who knows God better than God? I mean, I can read the Bible, um, you know, a book inspired by his spirit. I can talk with people who have walked with God. I do all these things, but doesn't that just give me a reflection of God, a dim picture compared 
to meeting and encountering God's Holy Spirit? So I don't think the verse 11 is the arrogant or the hard part. That just makes sense. That's just a fact that meeting someone in person is the best way to know them. So what's the hard part? Is it, is it verse 12? And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Is it the idea that someone can receive God's Holy Spirit and that some people can be enlightened and know God through his spirit? I think that would actually be the good news. I think that would actually be the good news that God gives his spirit so that we can know him. Because what's the alternative? That God doesn't give his spirit? That we can know nothing but these reflections and these pictures of what others have said and others have written? That God holds us at an arm's length and won't let us get very close because he won't let us have access to his spirit? So I think receiving the Holy Spirit and that letting you know God, that would actually be the good news part of what's saying here because we couldn't know God any other way. You talk about knowing things. Um, C.S. Lewis was an author, a Christian author in the 20th century, and he wrote this little essay on knowing things. And he had this great analogy where he said, you know, geologists of people who know things probably have it the easiest because they know rocks. So they just go out and they find the rocks and they study the rocks and they know the rocks. And the rocks cannot resist them. The rocks can't run away from them. The rocks can't hide, you know. And so it's all up to the scientist. He said the scientists, like biologists who study animals, have it a little bit harder because uh, they have to put some effort in to go find the animals, but the animals then also have to cooperate, right? They have to not run away. They have to behave normally while they're being observed um, and that sort of thing. So it's a little bit on the animal's part, but there are a lot of things that the biologists can do to uh, trick the animals into being studied. Like you can put up blinds so they can't see these there. They can do observation towers. There's lots of things the studier can do to, to make the thing they're studying known whether it really wants to be known or not. He said, theologians, those who study God, have it the hardest because you can't go find God if God doesn't want to be found. And you can't make God act normally while you observe him. And there's no trick you could play on God so that you could get to know God it's all on the object, God, to be known. He has to reveal himself or nothing can be known. But this says that God gives his spirit freely so that we can know him. So I think that would be the good news. That would not be the hard part of this passage. So what, why, why did I skip this? What was the hard part? Was it verse 14? But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Is it the idea that those who don't have the Spirit can't know God? Is that the part that troubles us? Because, I mean, why should that be difficult? Can people who have never met you know you as well as people who did? Can they know you really at all? One of my favorite stories about, uh, from the film industry is a story about Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock was a famous film director, The Bird, Psycho, The Man Who Knew Too Much, all these, you know, these great shows. And his film career lasted so long that it went from the silent film era all the way up into the early 70s. And it was so long that there were actually classes studying the works of Alfred Hitchcock while he was still alive. 
And his granddaughter was a film student and took one of these classes on the meaning of the films of Alfred Hitchcock. And so she was assigned a paper to talk about the meaning of the things Hitchcock were doing. And she thought it would be funny if she just called grandpa and just wrote the paper with him. So that's what she did. She wrote her Alfred Hitchcock paper, The Meaning of His Films, with Grandpa Hitch. And she said that when he looked at the class notes from this professor who had spent his career studying the works of Hitchcock, he said, oh my, where do they get these things? (laughs) And so they wrote the paper, and she turned it in, and she got a C. (laughs) She got a C, and she called and said, Grandpa, we got a C on our paper. And Hitchcock said, I'm sorry, darling. It's the best I could do. (laughs) What? Do you see the, I mean, how could this professor who'd never actually met the master give someone who wrote the paper with the film master a C? Of course, because he didn't know that's who she was and he didn't know that's what she had done. But you, you see the silliness of this whole situation, right? He's doing the best he can as someone who's never had an encounter with Hitchcock. And it's the same with God. People who have never received God's Holy Spirit can't be expected to really know God and they they aren't fit to evaluate the experience of those who have. In the same way, that professor really isn't fit to put a, a C on the paper of someone who sat with Alfred Hitchcock and wrote it. Maybe that's what bothers us about this passage, that some people have received the Holy Spirit and some people have not. Meaning that some people really know what God has revealed and other people really don't know God at all. And that seems tragically unfair. But if that's the problem, then we have great news to share this morning because this Holy Spirit is not an exclusive offer. It's offered to everyone. Everyone can receive this gift that God is giving freely. In fact, this is a major part of the gospel. Gospel means good news, if you didn't know. And a major part of our good news is that Jesus has made it so we can receive the Holy Spirit of God and know God. Listen to this first sermon that was ever preached in a church. It's recorded in Acts chapter 2. And the last line of the sermon says, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles. So that means like all the world that's not Jewish, this gift is going out to. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Well, maybe that's the problem. That to receive the Holy Spirit, you have to call on Jesus. To receive God the Spirit, who reveals to us God the Father, you must seek the forgiveness and the baptism of God the Son. Maybe some of us would rather know God through His Spirit without having to receive His Son. Is that the hard part of 1 Corinthians chapter 2? That, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. And that we wish there could be other ways to God. But I want to ask, how would you feel if someone tried to do that to you? To make other ways to you. I'm coming down. So, you know, someone said, Nancy, I know someone who wants to be your friend. They really want to get to know you. 
Problem is, they don't really like kids. So while they're getting to know you, could you maybe just make sure they never encounter your kids or grandkids? I mean, they want to know you and what's important, but not the kids or grandkids. You just make sure they never run across them. And then then they get to know you and they'll be your friend. (laughs) She was... Or somebody's like, oh, Jeff, Jeff, I know somebody wants to be your friend. They want to get to know you. Um, They really think you're great. Uh, My friend is from France, though. He's really, really French, and he needs you to be French, too. So while you're getting to know him, could you just be French? (laughs) Appreciate that. Do you speak French? Okay, this could be a problem, but it's really important to him. Um, You see? You see? If someone's like, Zach, I know somebody wants to get to know you. In fact, it's me, and I feel like I already know you because I already wrote this autobiography of you. And I went up on a mountain, and I just kind of felt like this was your life story. So I was wondering if you could familiarize yourself with this so that like, this could be who you are, because I like this version. <laughs> you are who you are. And there could be aspects of that that make me uncomfortable, but that doesn't change it. I can't just wish you could be someone else and then get to know you in that image. And God is who God is. He's the one who made the whole world and everything in it. And then ever since has had to put up with a lot from me and from you and from all of us. You know, a lot of sin, a lot of rebellion. We have fairly well wrecked the world that he gave us as a gift. And yet he is the God who wants to forgive that. He wants to put that aside and start a relationship with us. And to demonstrate that, he comes in God the Son. He dies on the cross to say, look, I'll suffer and die for you. I really want to put this behind us. I want to forgive. I'm paying whatever penalties there are to be paid. I'm paying them all. I want to, I want to give you eternal life and, and I'm making it possible this way. And he is the God who did that. And so now when we receive Jesus and we receive forgiveness, we receive the Holy Spirit and the spiritual life is ours as a gift. And that is good news. And I imagine some of you say, well, that's your good news. You know, that's, that's not my good news because I haven't experienced God that way. Well, that, that doesn't mean it's not that way. Just because you haven't experienced a certain life and a certain Reality doesn't make it not reality. Uh, some folks in this room, you are, you are living debt-free. You have no car loans. You have no uh, credit card debt. And that's the way you live. And you cannot explain to everyone in this indebted world the changes God made in you to make that life possible. It's just another mystery how you did it. They kind of don't really believe that you did it, but it doesn't change the fact that God did it. And that's what you're experiencing and the fact that other people doubt it and and have not experienced it for themselves doesn't mean it didn't happen to you. Some of you have been freed from addiction and you can say, I was powerless over my addiction and God did it. And in our addicted world, you can't explain to a lot of people how that happened. People probably doubt and think that you still dabble in your addiction, but you don't and they don't believe it and okay, but doesn't make it not true. You know what you saw God did and they can't take that experience away. And some of you have received God's Holy Spirit 
and you received his love and you received whatever knowledge of God God has to offer and that knowledge is always growing and others can doubt it, but that doesn't make any difference. They can't know what happened to you. They can't put a C on your paper. They didn't sit with the father you sat with. Just like this letter says. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves can't be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. But still, the good news is there. The great news is there, is that this relationship is offered to everyone. Trust that Jesus is showing us the true picture of who God is and the offer and the promises God has made. Accept his gift. Let him be your savior. Follow his ways. Live like him. Let him be your Lord. Be baptized. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you God day by day and the Holy Spirit will come. That is God's promise to everyone sitting here and everyone out there. Why not accept God's offer of grace? There's really only one human being on earth who can keep the Holy Spirit away from you. And that's you. So why hold back? Maybe you're disturbed that it doesn't all quite make sense. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, the cross. It doesn't all quite make sense in your mind. It's all right. It will never quite all make sense especially not until the Holy Spirit comes and teaches you. You have to ask, does it make sense enough? Is the picture of God that Jesus is showing compelling enough? Is the life that Jesus lived in real history amazing enough that you want him to be your Lord and your Savior? Is the community you see around you enough to make you believe there's something to this? Then you invite him in. And all the rest makes more sense as the Holy Spirit comes. And you become that spiritual person. You know what else doesn't make sense? The way our lives are going without God. That's confusing. That doesn't really make a lot of sense either. I didn't know very much about God when I invited the Holy Spirit in, but things weren't going well. And I thought, this has a hope to it. And I've seen enough, and I've, I've had some experiences. I couldn't explain them to someone else, but I don't have to. There's enough here for me to reach out and invite the Holy Spirit. Turn my life over to Jesus and see what he can do with it. Life without God doesn't make perfect sense either. Why not try something new? And some of you will say, I don't want to take a step of faith because I don't want to be brainwashed. I don't want to be taken in by this sermon. I don't want to follow something that isn't real. I don't want to be like all these people I see, mean church people posting on my social media. Okay, there it is. Now you're on to something. Now you're on to something. I can appreciate this. Now we're there. You don't want to be whipped up, to, you don't want to be whipped up into a frenzy. You don't want to uh, fall some, into something that's half-baked. You don't want to look like a fool later. You don't want to turn into a religious nut, which is great because I, I don't want that for anyone here either. So why don't we take a deep breath and let's just look around here for a moment. You know, deep breathing 
get you out of your fear brain and back into your thinking brain. So let's take a deep breath for a moment. And let's look around. This is not a highly emotional environment right now here in this room. I am not an amazing preacher. There are literally people asleep in the room right now. Um, God bless them. They need their rest. Let them. It's fine. You are thinking clearly now. You're not overwrought with emotion. This is a good environment to make an important spiritual decision. And you know this letter, 1 Corinthians, this was written uh, with your, your concern in mind, if you didn't know. Um, see, back when this letter was written, they had traveling philosophers. They were skilled public speakers. They went to special schools to learn how to do that. They're very exciting, very persuasive. Uh, some of them were like celebrities. They had huge followings. People loved to go hear them. And then Paul comes, this Christian preacher comes to Corinth, and his teaching is very plain, and they're not very impressed, and frankly, they're a little disappointed because some of them had read some of the letters, and they're really expecting something fantastic, and he was kind of dull and weird to them. And Paul says in this letter that he did that on purpose so that they would be followers of Jesus and not followers of Paul. So that they would be captured by the love of God and the forgiveness of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit and not by Paul's great public speaking ability. Why don't we listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 again, the whole chapter. And let's see if maybe there wasn't anything to be afraid of the whole time. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Yet when I am among mature believers, I speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of, the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we did not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who knows the Lord's thoughts? 
Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. We see that this was always a hopeful offer of God making a way for us to know him. I was afraid for nothing. And so today you are invited to say, I want the forgiveness of God. And I believe that he sent Christ the Son to make that possible for me on the cross. And I want God's Holy Spirit to come and teach me a new way of living and to help me to know God. And for all of you who have received the Holy Spirit, some of you decades and decades ago, just remember again that this world is never really going to understand you. The way you live looks foolish to this world. And the way you think looks foolish to this world. Even your own friends and family, if they don't have the Holy Spirit in their life, are always going to be just a little baffled by you. So be calm. Be at peace. Don't be frustrated. Do good to people. Don't post mean things to them. They can't. They can't know what they don't know. They're putting a C on your paper, but they don't know the father you've known. And when they ask you why you are the way you are, tell them about Jesus. Show them how to invite the Spirit of God into their life. Some of them, you're going to catch them on the right day and they will try it. A lot of times they won't. But all you can do is live right and do good and love everyone and invite people to follow Jesus for themselves. For you have the mind of Christ and this world doesn't have what it takes to put a C on your paper. Amen.